Hello, welcome to the Road Point Exchange. This is Adam, and it's almost Gen Con. So it's time for your quick Gen Con Survival Guide episode. And joining me today are such great Gen Con alumnis as... This is Jeremy. This is Joe. This is Patrick. This is Burke. Welcome aboard, guys. Like, real quick before we get into Gen Con, though, we've had some things going on with RPX, and I do want to do a quick shout out to one of our new subscribers, Corey Conyers. So, Corey, thank you very much. I also would like to do a big shout out if you may have noticed on Twitter when we posted this um, in the art in general, but uh, we have a new logo for RPX. So, we've retired the old Manila envelope after three or four years. So, would like to do a quick shout out to Crajon slash review cultist of Aldente Rigor Mortis. And if you're interested in seeing some of Crajon's artwork, be sure to head over to his DeviantArt page that I have included in there. And hey, we need to draw you something. And yeah, check out his, his podcast, uh, which is a review and discussion of Creepypasta. Definitely. Good stuff, too. And a stellar guy. We've recorded a few games together. He's uh, going to be making an appearance on RPX eventually after I get through the backlog. But something to look forward to, folks. So Gen Con. Well, I, I think I want to start this off, gentlemen, because, you know, I don't really live by example. I want to be more cautionary tale of the people. Start from the top. What what am Gen Con? Who, who is Gen Con? <laughs> oh, well, Gen Con was originally in Geneva, Wisconsin, if I do not, if I am not mistaken. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. So huge. I guess it's the largest, definitely in America, tabletop role-playing game convention, and it's a who traveled. And if you jump into this situation wrong, which, to be frank with you folks, if you're listening to us now and deciding to go, you're pretty well screwed. Yes. (laughs) When I first went to Gen Con and got the full, you know, four days of fun experience, I went in, and when I registered my hotel, I did not register my hotel for... Wednesday, I'd actually, well, Gen Con starts Thursday. I should register for Thursday. Well, that's great because I couldn't, I wanted to get in earlier. So I didn't have to you know, hustle about, but I didn't have a hotel room. So I actually, the first time I went for the full experience, I had to get one several miles away, which worked. And if you're listening to us now and decided that, hey, I want to head up on Wednesday. I mean, there's tons of pickup games. You get to see some people, get your badge, all that fun stuff out of the way. But, you know, you're going to have to travel. And by the way, for those of you long-time listeners, this was the occasion of when uh, we're driving to Gen Con from the other hotel, and we drive by, and there's no parking at the JW Marriott. We didn't know where to go, so I said, ooh, look, a zoo. And my wife ended up taking the kids to the zoo while I hoofed it on from Gen Con. She still holds that again. But anyway, so tip number one, if you have not planned for Wednesday, and you decide to get one a couple miles off, you can still go in and travel and pick up your stuff and, you know, not get into the throng of, of uh, confusion later on. Anybody else have a uh, getting started into Gen Con kind of tip? One thing I can say is if you're coming into Gen Con, make sure you scope out parking. Like Adam said, the hotels, even if you're staying at one, there is a possibility you're not going to be able to park there because they fill up fast because, you know, 10 people stay in one room. And uh, there is a spot, there's a thing called Gate 10 that is ran, uh, that they do events such as Gen Con. They, it ran through Gen Con last year. Now they're doing it on their own. And for a while, it was basically the best kept secret for parking because they do shuttles. They have three different uh, locations and they're, they run 24 hours from start to finish on the con- So if you can somehow get in on that, 
I know when I checked, I got mine Wednesday was sold out, but Thursday to Sunday was still open. Um, it's relatively priced. You have in-out privileges and a shuttle that runs 24 hours back and forth to your car. It's well lit and it's all and it's under security. So it's, it's a pretty sweet deal. Um, I, I drug my feet. Otherwise I'd been used the entire time. That is a pretty sweet suggestion. And we will be including a uh, link to that. In- uh, well, I've got like three items. Uh, one is sort of pre Gen Con one bring spare clothes. I'm going to be at this place for four to five days. Something could happen. You're full. You're in a place with a bunch of um, people of various awkwardnesses. So sweaty nerds, you can say it. Sweaty nerds, yes. We're all we all stand in our truth here as, as sweaty nerds. Yeah. You're also going to be sweaty. So just make sure you have extra clothes if you you know happen to be sweat sitting in a puddle of your own sweat for a couple hours. And to piggyback on that, Indiana in August is hot. As someone who's lived in Indiana my entire life, it's either going to be perfect or it's going to be 100 degrees with all the humidity you ever want. So extra deodorant and an extra shirt. Yeah, if you're from a, a sort of dry section of the of the country, like you're not going to be prepared for the humidity out there. Two, if you're arriving on Wednesday, the con has not yet started. So you might be roaming around the convention center. But there's not going to be any place officially for you to be. So don't hassle the con folk, which is a good idea anyway. But like if they say, hey, you know, you got to move because Gen Con has not yet started uh, and we need this space for something else. Like that's a polite thing to do. Same thing will be true for the hotels. Uh, So, you know, just be mindful that if you arrive early, you know, the entire city of uh, Indianapolis has not been arranged for your pleasure. Yes. (laughs) I will say, um, if you do get in on Wednesday, like especially if you're flying in and you can't bring as much as you would if you had like a car, uh, coming in Wednesday is a pretty good move tactically because it gives you time to like lay in the supplies that you couldn't bring with you. Uh, so I would get come in on on Wednesday and then use that day to like you know get snacks, get bowl, get get you know power bars, that kind of thing. Yeah, because it's usually yeah. better to get it at like the CVS down from the convention center than it is at like airport. Absolutely. And if you're coming in, if you're coming in from the airport, Uber is significantly cheaper than the taxis. Like it's a fifty dollar taxi ride from the airport to the convention center, and it's not that far. Uber, yeah, I, think, I think Lyft has a promo on with GenCon, so that's uh, right. Nice. Want a Lyft rather than Uber. Also, I think they're better to their workers, from what I've heard. That's a little generally bit. correct. <laughs> Very, uh, but yeah, um, definitely like leave as much. Spend, plan to spend as much Wednesday in Indiana as possible. Like, don't expect to get in at like seven because I think Will calls open on Wednesday, isn't it? Yeah, Wednesday. Uh, yep. I think it's open from Wednesday morning all the way through the end of the con. Yeah, and and you're going to want to leave a good like, best case scenario, a couple of hours for Will call. Yeah. Absolutely. That, that leads me to another suggestion. Um, if you can, by all means, when you order your ticket, have it sent to you. And it's worth the extra $10 to have it tracked because if it gets lost, then Gen Con eats it and gives you another badge and you don't have to wait and we'll call. Like unless you're coming in from overseas where it could get lost. If you're in the States, just have it sent to you. Oh, they don't. They don't. Sending it overseas. You have to get everything call if you're not. Oh, in the okay. US. They are it would this be pretty expensive. More, yeah. They are this year doing more um, electronic tickets, which will be attached to your badge. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's one of those things they've started doing this year that makes you think, hang on, this is a bunch of nerds. How have they only just got Wi-Fi for the con? How, how is one of the largest gathering of nerds in the Western Hemisphere only now just thought of Wi-Fi? I think, 
I think last year it had Wi-Fi. It was just terrible because everybody was trying to be on it. Well, it has, there was conventions under Wi-Fi. There was like center Wi-Fi, but this is like for the con. Like this is Gen Con Wi-Fi as opposed to Indiana, Indianapolis conventions under Wi-Fi. Oh, okay. That's cool about that. See, I'm learning stuff. Oh, and also uh, for people that do trade day and stuff like that, they're not doing the extra hour early. Like trade day, VIG, if you happen to be in that, stuff like that, they're not doing the hour early to get in and shop. I know they used to, Wednesdays typically, they have um, this kind of industry stuff. So they got like uh, seminars and stuff like that, and there's educational things. But yeah. uh, that's all I think that's going on. And I, I've attended one of those once upon a time just because of the educator. Uh, deal and all that, and they've got some real stuff. But yeah, if you're trying to get tickets for that, I don't even remember working for that. It's kind of. Uh... I think you can buy it from the Gen Con site. <clears throat> the last time I, I haven't checked this year, but it's usually sold out this close to the convention. We're recording the 24th of July. Gen Con, the first Wednesday of Gen Con will be the 31st. So we're basically seven days before the convention. Uh, if you're trying to get into a seminar about like. And, and most of the seminar stuff, the most of the educational stuff is like the first day, the Wednesday of Gen Con. Uh, so if you're trying to like get in a seminar with, you know, authors or uh, game developers or or that sort of thing, and it's on Wednesday, like you're you're probably out of luck if you're listening now. Just remember it for next year. Yeah. I made that mistake. That was my first one. Yeah. I made all those mistakes last year because I decided last minute to go while I was in the middle of moving to California. So everything was a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I believe it. So yeah. when you all were mentioning the fact that Will Call is 24 hours, it is that is usually when I try to go get it at night. And even at nighttime when you're you're showing up there, they've got it down to an art. I mean, the line moves quick, but even at, like, I swear, Burke, you all were still playing. No, were you playing with Clancy last year? I know, uh, Patrick. No, no, I was not. Okay. I was. Okay. I remember you guys were still playing and it was like 12 or one o'clock in the morning. And I drank that horrible, horrible <laughs> stuff that Baz had passed around that Malort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm slightly buzzed standing in line for will call. And it was outside the convention center, even at 1am it moved quick. And I stood behind two interesting ladies that discussed things that I'm glad my children weren't around to hear. I'm glad I kind of picked their stuff up for them. But, um, you know, even that time of night, you're going to, it moves quick, but you may wait 45 minutes to an hour, but it's worth it. We didn't do ship it. Bring to a book. Yeah. Pick up an audio book or I've uh, got an idea for you. If you're not, if you're not yet a Patreon subscriber, we've got <laughs> tons of, I mean, tons, I mean, probably 10 or 12 episodes of behind the wall content. You can listen to us babble for, you know, at least part of your wait. So do you think I should go into sales, Joe, or should I probably just leave it? Uh, I'd, I'd leave it sales <laughs> seamless, at least, at least write your copy before you say it. <laughs> <laughs> Just pack your meundies and. Oh yes. Uh, bring a Casper mattress. <laughs> bring or get suntan lotion. That's actually a true, true advice. That's not a joke. Yeah. Again, it's, it's going to be hot and it's not, I mean, Jeremy, you're a, you live there, but like, I've been there, I guess, probably like five times and it has not rained once. Uh, <laughs> in August. Yeah. It, it's normally just feels like it's raining, but it's actually yeah, the, hot. 
Mm -hmm. Humidity is a hundred percent, but it's it's all in the air. None of it is falling, and the sun is still shining on. It's like walking through nerd soup. It's the worst. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's pretty bad. So have we have we pretty much covered over the pre stuff, Patrick? You did mention food. Like I have never Mm. dined at one of those fine eating trucks on the outside. I usually try to make it to restaurants at Gen Con, but usually if I've got games and you know things like that, I usually try to go out and purchase like a box of protein bars. Uh, if you have a um, like refillable kind of canteen of some sort, you know you don't have to pack like keep buying water bottles like outside. Every, like definitely where they're doing the uh, seminars and so forth, there's usually water set up that you can just walk up and fill your cup or your canteen or whatnot. So you know it's definitely important to stay hydrated in this situation, and a good cheap way to do it is just bring your own cups. Yeah. Uh, they are pretty good at providing get a water. I bottle of Evian at like a yes or something, and then I just like refill that constantly throughout. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and like Origins where they have water, but it's always out. <laughs> no, their Gen Con's usually pretty good at refilling all that stuff. Uh, nice. And a lot of the hotels have them set up too. I mean, they're they don't want people to die on their watch either. Well, <laughs> they're liable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say one of my um, little little like it's not quite a hack again of a tip, but um, you mentioned the food trucks, and that's like that's like Will call. The queue has been there since 1988, and like mm-hmm. uh, and still waiting on their tacos. Like the line there is just atrocious. But if you walk like a block to a Starbucks, it still has like like in line of sight of the hotel, like it's the side of I forget the hotel name, the one with the the train on it. Oh, Union uh, Station. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it. The one with the creepy statues and the... uh, Yes. There's a Starbucks, like, just, like, a couple of units down from there, which is just, like, I think that's half a block away from the convention center, and I've never had a queue there. Uh, (laughs) So that's been my thing. Like, if I'm I'm hungry, if I want, like, a a caffeine boost, I just take, like, a five-minute walk, and suddenly the queues melt away. Yeah. There's also a place that's, like, right across from the convention center called Bee Coffee that's, like, a local place that's not bad. Like, they may have a queue, but they get you through pretty fast. God knows if you're wanting Starbucks at the JW, you might as well pull up a chair and wait. <laughs> Better yeah. pack a lunch. Yeah. <laughs> pack a lunch for your lunch. That's right. now, now, now I think we're getting into the portion of the Gen Con prep that's <laughs> called be good to yourself. That's Have right. some snacks. Wear comfortable shoes because you will be doing a hell of a lot of walking. And standing. Drink and standing. a lot of water, you know. Shower. Shower. Well, that's be good to others. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's also true. If you roll in on Wednesday and you smell like a basement, yeah, no one will notice. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll notice, <laughs> and I may say something. Yeah, there's a, there's there's definitely kind of a funk. Uh, you know, so you know, pack food, pack water. It always amazes me, but um, you know, it's not uncommon to see people black out if you're standing. Yeah, which I have never in my life. On opening day, stood there for the walk, walk, and stuff like that. But if you're, you know, standing outside the dealer hall for a long period of time, you probably don't want to lock your knees necessarily, because I hear you fall down when that happens. Yeah, for an extended period. Yeah, bad for blood flow. Um, Food, uh, honestly, I should probably just get a thing of antibiotics ready. But yeah, vitamins, like vitamins. Yeah, don't eat a hundred percent crap if you can avoid it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, my highlight every year is just being able to like go to the meeting that we that the <laughs> RPPR fan base does, or just going out to eat with friends in general. So you know, you could eat a little crappy, but you know, try to make room for that really good meal. You know, something to sit down and enjoy. Uh, 
I mentioned it kind of briefly a second ago, but you're gonna you may get con flu as they call it from all those people touching whatnot. I would keep hand sanitizer on me. Yes, wash your hands. Yeah, cough like your Count Dracula. Not yeah. As per the Surgeon General, cough into your shoulder. And also, like like we was talking about earlier, it's like vitamin C, vitamin D, multivitamin, just something something to boost your immune system because they're you're going to be around a hundred thousand people. Yeah, yeah, new and interesting people with new and interesting pathogens. That's right. <laughs> you like Ebola because that's how you get Ebola. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ! But the best conflu tip I, uh, I I ever learned is get sick just before change. Like come down with like a summer cold, <laughs> and you want to be getting better. Like you know, you, you want to feel like crap around July twenty eighth, and then by the time you're in Gen Con, still like you're feeling better, and you've still got plenty of antigens in your system, and you won't catch anything. <laughs> that's my. That you like. Wasn't that you like two years ago? That was me two years ago. Yes, that's, that's <laughs> how I learned that one. <laughs> See, we, hygiene, we also kind of mentioned yeah. be nice to other people. So. Be nice to others. Shower often. Well, Shower in the morning. Yeah, like don't book your um, days too tightly in general, but also I would say like after a few hours, if you have a decently central hotel room, run back for a shower. And that's also meant to like drop stuff off you picked up in the dealer's room. And, like, right. Generally, yeah. like do a little R and R, and as part of that, take a nap once in a yourself. while. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're all we're all adults here. Like, we shouldn't have to say this, but you know, but we do take a shower, but we have to. Like, don't live the stereotype. Just just be cool to others. Yeah. Don't brush your teeth. They fell smelling like you haven't showered in four or five days. Brush your teeth because you're going to be talking to a lot of people. Yeah. Or carry gum at the very least. Something. Something. And, you know, one of my first big Gen Con experiences waiting in the will call line was getting behind somebody who smelled like a handful of ass. And that's not really a good thing. You know, metric imperial. (laughs) A metric handful. It's larger. (laughs) (laughs) It was six stones of ass. Six Ooh, wow. That's a lot of ass, dude. That's a lot of ass. <laughs> oh, I, I want to. Uh, I want to hit one more item. I think have a budget ahead of time. Have a budget. Don't, now you're getting into the high level stuff. Uh, I mean, don't bankrupt yourself. <laughs> you know, uh, and stick to the budget. If you don't have a budget, you're almost always going to overspend. If you yeah. have a budget, probably going to overspend that anyway, but not as bad because you'll know. I I only meant to spend. Two hundred dollars, which is a comically small amount, but I only meant to spend two hundred dollars at this goddamn convention. And mm-hmm. if you spend four hundred, you're like, all right, I, I blew the budget. I can't spend any more money. And you could have a good time without spending any more money. Yeah, and also yeah. just remember, like, just because you can't buy the newest and shiniest thing at Gen Con doesn't mean you're not going to be able to get it. Because normally, like, within a week or two, or maybe even a month, it's going to be thirty percent off online somewhere. Like, even yeah. from the same company. Yeah, yeah all those. All those hot new releases will be available in stores. <laughs> and also, yeah. the, like, one of the best things that I can, like, if you're into board gaming, go buy the Cool Stuff Inc. Ding and Dent section. Yeah. Because they have them for a lot of new games for dirt cheap, and, like, you have to look if you can even find the dent on them. I mean, they still play the same. You're getting them for a ridiculous amount off. Just in general, being able to evaluate, do you really need something? Yeah. It's right. useful because the... Uh, the first time you see that huge exhibit hall can be a little overwhelming because they'll have all kinds of things. Yes. But just for the pure novelty of convince yourself you should buy. Actually should. I mean, I look at a $700 brass miniature of the time machine from the 1960s time machine every year. And I think, <laughs> boy, uh, I, could, oh, yes. I, could, I could buy that. And it then I would have it. 
And then I'm like, yeah, but it's $700, Joe. You don't have $700 to just drop on a paperweight. <laughs> this is the year, Joe. No, no, it isn't. This is Patreon the first goal. year for that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and, and those sorts of ideas, being prepared, knowing that it'll always be around. Like, I could buy that online, probably for $500. I'm going to steal. Them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah. Uh, you know, when you're prepared for that sort of thing, you'll you'll be better able to resist it, which is important. Because Stern's also not known for having a lot of self-control. I have that problem as well. Definitely. Finances, man. Like, but at the same time, I'm kind of almost to the opposite school. So that's good, Joe. Now, here's Eve Adam. Sometimes this shit's <laughs> Right? So if, you, if you're not, if you want that fucking paperweight, you're afraid it's going to sell out, by God, it might. So you may want to jump on, like, the really big thing. So you, you know, you need to do that. So searching before you walk in there, but there's been many times of like, yeah, I'll walk by and pick up a copy of that. That's no problem. And then, you know, it's sold out. So, but then again, guess what? Just like Joe said, you can buy the goddamn thing online later. It's not a big deal. Yeah. If, if it's a big enough title that like the nerds are rushing to it, first thing at Gen Con, but first of all, that's probably not all that they printed by more than that. Yeah. Uh, and then second of all, they can use that money that they just got from all those nerds to print more books. It's called capitalism, you see. And, and <laughs> welcome to my TED talk. Um, so yeah, like a second print will come out. Like because like the first year was there. Like I think it was the year the Starfinder dropped, and everyone was queuing for it. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's gonna like that's not like a small indie thing that might not make it across the pond to my small local <laughs> shop. Like that's that's going to. <laughs> To reach me, I, I'm fine. Uh, Paizo uh, has already sent the books to your friendly local gaming store. Probably, you're gonna have it when uh, you come back. Uh, same thing with Witcher. Like, mm-hmm. I have that. I bought it locally. Like, that's that's gonna reach me. Um, so when I'm going, I'm usually like keeping an eye out for like the weirder small press stuff that maybe my my spending money will do a little more good. Uh, keeping keeping those people afloat. You heard of red market? Um, <clears throat> <laughs> I was going to say, have you heard of red markets? I hear it's going to be sold at Indie Press Revolution along with like three other books. Uh, also, because I'm having to think of like flight weights, I'm not I'm not buying like frivolous stuff. I, I do a project quite critically when I'm buying stuff. I have to sort of spend a decent amount of time in the dealer room, just sort of doing laps and then sort of going back and thinking like, okay, what what stood out to me? But, but, and then go back yeah. in. Yeah. So it's really like the first time I'll actually buy something. Like, Oh, side note, folks, just occurred to me, if you are traveling with small children through the, um, you know, going through the pick, picking up your badge and so forth, if you can get IDs made for your children. So in case, God forbid, we had that, oh God, what was it, heavy rain scenario where you turn around and your child's gone <laughs> and you're going, Jason, 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 Jason. <laughs> then, you know, they also have a name tag with contact info, or not name tag, but a wristwatch with contact stuff. They always fuck up my daughters when I print it off because they misunderstood me when I first did it. And her name is Ara, but they call her Rara. So, you know, if you see a little Rara running around chewing on people, folks, will you please hold on to her for me? Appreciate that. Rara. Uh, <laughs> um, so let's go, we'll jump into the final portion of this. So I kind of want to break this up into uh, Dior Hall, which we kind of touched on, Nightlife, and. Uh, or games kind of deal like that. So let me tell you this, like I'm going to jump into the kind of nightlife section. If you're going to go out drinking and having fun, if you're like me and you're looking 40, just dead in the fucking eye right now, 
like my days of sitting down and drinking a pint of Tavarsky in college and waking up and going to class next morning, those days are way beyond me right now. I don't have that in me. So it's fun going out drinking with your friends, having a good time. But I recommend that you pack some stuff to keep yourself hydrated. Or you can also do like me and do my daily morning ritual of take about 500 milligrams of aspirin and slam a monster energy drink and get back to fucking work. But, you know, and watch my liver die <laughs> it's a little bit each day. That's right. Anybody else have any general survival for this particular aspect? Uh, you just made you hydration <laughs> super more important than it already was if you're drinking yeah. uh, in, mm-hmm. in the heat. So, like, the, the rule I get is usually, like, alternate. You've had a had a beer, get a little water for your next thing, then have a beer. Um, you know, you, you, you're sweating more than you think you are. That's going to be pretty bad. Uh, and then also, yeah. like, general hangover stuff. Um, a lot of hangover is, is not just dehydration, but also, like, uh, loss of electrolytes. So, um, yeah. There's a reason the uh, full English breakfast exists, and it's mostly to help people get over hangovers because it's super goddamn salty. <laughs> um, so, like the next day, have like, or, or, or potentially even while you're you're drinking, have like a salty snack. You probably won't feel as bad in the morning. And or, also uh, stuff like uh, like Gatorade, like like alternate Gatorade and water, the same way. Yeah, I mean, plants might not crave it, but you will after four or five beers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just in general, if you come to any of the meetups, you will be handed lots of things. You don't have to drink them. I recommend it. <laughs> yeah. You look, if, I hand, if I hand you something and it's not inside you, it's going inside you. Uh, Seriously, uh, if someone you don't know hands you something, don't drink it. Don't drink well, it. If you're, if you're nah. hanging out with us at like a, like a gathering, you can say no. We may give you a hard time about it because I don't drink either, but We're not they're fine with We told them our names at the start of the episode. <laughs> right. We're safe. We That's definitely true. won't, you know, I don't know if we're poison safe. you. Chris and I are attending bar for the RPPR meetup, so <laughs> you may or may not be safe, depending on our mood. I have an accent. I'm harmless. That's right. right. <laughs> I have an accent. And you can trust him. It's classy. <laughs> Ah uh, man, Adam, I hate to inform you, but you got a, you get the kind of accent that's uh, that's not regarded as harmless. <laughs> I, I might be the first person in your life to tell you this, oh, but this conversation's taking a wrong turn, Joe. <laughs> boop boop. Uh, sorry, <laughs> womp um, womp. <laughs> real quick thing for the actual going about Gen Con Dior Hall and games and stuff like that. The Gen Con book has a map in it. I haven't checked the app recently, but if you get your Gen Con pamphlet or book, you can rip the map out, have it in your pocket, or you could do like I do and tuck it behind your cell phone in like your case, or you could do like I did also and put your hotel key behind it. And then when you pull the map out, you lose the hotel key. The hotel key with the phone is really cool though, guys, because you walk up to the hotel room, door and you just wave your phone in front of it my children think i'm magic (laughs) it's like you're in a a dystopian future (laughs) almost (laughs) and also uh like speaking of cell phones and stuff like that like a portable battery pack is always good like there's plenty of plugs and stuff like that but that means you have to actually sit there with them right Mm -hmm. and there's never i mean there are plenty of them but you're never going to be in like a comfortable situation with your phone on your lap plugged into a wall socket two feet away yeah no yeah yeah, those little anchor packs are like 30 bucks, and they're amazing. Yeah, but there's going to be people dressed up, and they're going to be cosplaying as their favorite whatever. Yeah. It's really cool. I love taking my children to see that. 
some of them will let you take pictures with them. But just realize that there's this whole distance thing's going on, folks. So, you know, someone's kind of take your picture, you know, just be mindful of their space. Also, the fact that some of the outfits may be slightly revealing or risque does not really open up a window for you just to sit there and leer at them. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be weird. Or touch them in any way, mm-hmm. uh, just like you wouldn't touch any regular person in your regular life. You shouldn't touch any cosplayer for any reason, unless you were very specifically invited to. Glomping is frowned upon. Yes. <laughs> Remember, uh, there's still people. In the dark days of glomping, I, I've heard of. Okay. Hate this hobby. All of our advice is shower and don't be a creep. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's kind of sad though. I mean, it's you see, Please, it. our PO is so bad. Please, don't sometimes, the, yeah. Unfortunately, we have to define what shower means, which is stand <laughs> under a uh, a rain of water and you soap on all of your body, including your legs. Yeah, I can't remember who. Somebody was telling me a story about a long time ago where people would actually like if somebody was super bad, they would like mm-hmm. basically kidnap them off the street, throw them in a shower, and wash them. And then Yikes. put them back on the street. <laughs> yeah, they should uh, be one of those like portable shower trucks. Yeah, just a fire hose. Plus, with the fire hose, less likely to get catch athlete's foot. Uh, secondly, we also have to define what a creep is. That means no touching anybody, mm-hmm. no creepily staring at anybody, and always ask people to be to take their picture. Yeah. Treat everyone like they're a human being. Be excellent to each other. That's right. A great movie once said. Adam, this is the darkest timeline. I think the best we can hope for is be adequate to each other. <laughs> <laughs> be slightly less bad to each other. Ex- yeah. Excellent was out of the window sometime around 16. Yeah. So with that note, we're going to move on to our second subject. Okay, so now that we've finished discussing Gen Con, would like to kind of fill out this episode a bit more with something that's been on my mind as of late. And it's, man, how do you salvage a game when players do something totally unexpected? So you have this basic, you know, scenario idea that you're wanting to go through, and I'm I'm pretty bad about getting married to this uh, scenario. And something happens, like, I don't know, we say that one of your players goes completely insane because of things that an evil protagonist does and uh, and totally fucks something up. Yes, but like, how do you handle that? Do like, do you let it go, or what? What kind of advice do you have to kind of get them back on the path or whatnot? So I'm really, I'm just listening more than anything. So if anyone has some great advice for me, that would be Grant. Well, I think the first step is, why do you have a specific path? Things will always get derailed because role players are monsters, all of us, in some way or another. So I usually have like floating scenes and ideas that can like, fix things if, say, someone goes nuts and kicks a bunch uh, a dog murderer to death. Yeah. It's really all about going with the flow and having backup clues and things like that if you're doing, running a mystery. Or uh, if someone utterly murks your bad guy in Dungeons and Dragons have a backup bad guy or a god or something. It's cute that you think death is necessarily the end at all for a bad guy in Dungeons for and Dragons. For bad guys in DC, yeah. <laughs> or just kind of wrap them in plot armor like they got away. 
I'm pretty sure you could make an. In I'm pretty sure if you like put together all the resurrection spells, and you'd have it, you're wrong. Like, yeah, there, there there are in fiction ways usually around stuff like I killed the guy too too soon. Um, I mean, yes, there is a little like we can sort of interrogate the very premise of the question, which is what you know, what, what, why did you design your situation where the the floor can happen? That's not super helpful to the man whose house is currently on fire. That his house was made <laughs> of flammable materials. I would say sort of more an in the moment um, thing to do is think in terms of like critical writing, you know, kill your darlings. Why does this thing over here have to be over here? You know, if, if someone is refusing to go to evil bad town, what's an evil bad town that you wanted to put your players through? And why does it have to be there? Can't you just move the scenario that takes place in evil bad town and put it over in like nice shinyville? For a bit, you know, maybe there's something horrible lurking under nice Shinyville. That's a good story. You know, you can, you can edit and revise as you go, and that's it. It takes a little getting used to, like city plan, uh, city pants, GMing. You know, Jesus take the wheel kind of thing. Um, but uh, you, you sort of have to be willing to treat. I, I think you know, Chris. I'm not saying Chris is wrong here. Like, I, I definitely think like treat treat the plot more like a flow chart than a script. But like even then treat it like a flowchart where you can just like put this bit and put it over here and then take that bit and move it up a little. I mean, I think that can work. Uh, another way you can also, if you, if you like, if, if you're in a set in a way in which you, you just, you can't move something like, let's just say you've already established this as a thing, like ahead of time or something ahead of time. And it's just like, it's too late. You can't just say, oh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I think a good way you can also get players to go somewhere or do something is to just steal from them. Because <laughs> uh, if, if I find players to be very possessive of things. So if you just steal from them and then just be like, lay just a little bit down the line or like, oh yeah, so the elf stole your coin purse and was seen last in Plot Town. Uh, they're gonna be like, we gotta go burn fucking Plot Town to the ground to find that elf to get my. <laughs> Everyone in back. Plot Town will roast yeah. in hell for yeah. eternity. Yeah. Now, yeah, you, 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 you. It's pretty easy to get players to do and go where you need to go if you were like, if you really are in a hurry. Now, I understand there's this whole like, there's a cheap shot kind of with just stealing the player something, but if they happen to, you know, if they're just like, if if they are just like refusing to do something and they aren't making like a, it and sometimes they don't even make a good justification for it they're just like we don't want to do it spite is a good motivator it's true yes yeah, it, it is, is. Mm -hmm. i also find that when players happen to just well, we'll we'll get on to just random psychopathy in a bit fuck you no not just <laughs> you it's also my other players i had another players who who caused a who yeah they blew up several buildings now for me i have a couple things i do if if I'm running a like a pre-existing scenario, you know I like sort of Chris and Patrick's uh, Schrodinger's dungeon style. All right, you have things that need to have happen, and then they happen wherever the players are at. I like Raymond Carver's "Have two dudes kick in the door with guns" advice. Usually works pretty well. Uh, I th I also find it works basically whenever the players are doing something that's like kind of sucking up a lot of time from the actual game portion that you had planned you know an exceptionally long planning scene let's have an argument about the price of this dagger <laughs> you know let's let's start an impromptu bar fight you know that sort of stuff works there but my my preferred method of planning is to not plan anything i will have a problem 
that I will present to the players. And I know what caused the problem. And then it's just on the players to figure it out. Whatever they go or wherever they do, that sentence didn't make any sense. Wherever they go or whatever they do, uh, you know, they're going to either run into the pre-existing problem or run away from the pre-existing problem, which means the stuff that would happen if the players didn't stop it will happen. And then whatever they want to do, just make crap up for that. Like if, if a, I don't know, demon Lord is possessing uh, the Duke of elsewhere and you've got a lengthy plot thread, you know, not just an adventure, but like a campaign and your intention is for the players to go fight the possessed Duke or un- uncover the possession and they don't do any of that. And they set up a baking shop and then start getting in, you know, and they get real invested in baking for some reason. I mean, that's good fine. That's great. Now, like you better invent a baking guild that now they're going to have to get in and uh, they're going to have, Hey, guess who just contracted like a, a big gala and needs a load of load of baked goods. The demon possessed Duke. No, fuck that. No, they didn't. They didn't engage with their, your plot threads, so they he get punished. An evil <laughs> I don't know if we should punish them. I think it should be also like, uh, I think it can also be, I personally would have the baking guild fighting the, uh, the, the call, uh, the sewing guild. Like I have a sewing guild wanting to set up a place and like the baking guild's like, no, we want to set up our market here. Then the sewing guild's like, fuck you. I'm going to use my bard to, to do shit. And then basically there's just a, Turns to do a propaganda war or some fucking shit. Right. We're just infighting inside the baking guild, or there's a pre existing group that, you know, they're not in the baking guild because they're adventurers. So they didn't get their baking licenses. How are they going to get into the guild? Mary Berry's in town. Right. <laughs> and as far as like the, the demon thing, like it's not really punishment, but you had this thing planned. Like you can let that stuff run in the background and then the consequences happen. And then when the players get blindsided by it, you can be like, well, all the clues were there. You, you took this job and then, and then then never followed through. So here's what happens. I, I would love it because just the idea of like we do the baking guild quest line and in the background the demon army is just coming for us and it's basically yeah, like well we could out of hell yeah yeah how could yeah. we have known? It's like I fucking told you. It's like well now you got to deal with it. I hope you're uh, baking up some Eucharist. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, just going after them with communion bread. I, I under, yeah I understand that there's like this whole I, I do understand that but there is also sometimes where you get players that and not even players that you know just like if if you're at a convention or you're doing an online game or whatever and you get players that just decide to just go way too off the the game um, but you don't want to just you know table flip and just walk away how how do you handle that is is a thought well I know in the recent game of rain that we that you were. Apparently, I've been scorned with. Uh, we had trouble. Di- that was a bit Rain- different. Reign of Cthulhu. But I, I do want to commend you for this. And, you know, this was in my thoughts when we were coming up with topics to discuss. Uh, on a particular mission, we were supposed to be stealthy. Now, some great role playing took place there that took stealth completely out of the picture. And then, you know, your players are, you've lost 30 or 40 minutes with your players you know, addressing this new situation and stuff like that. And if I learned anything from watching you handle us is that if it's key and pivotal to what you had in mind, like it could, you know, and they want to get back to that particular plot line, it can still be an option, but you know, there's going to be repercussions possibly and all that. But I mean, 
you know, you could have just said, no, nah, this is went too fucking bonkers and walked away or, you know, control everything mellows back out and then on with the show kind of deal. Um, yeah, no, I think that can, <laughs> I think what plants you can learn all about this when you listen to Reign of Terror part two on RPX. Uh, <laughs> I think what blindsided me more was the fact that it just I, it didn't expect your character to be like, like, I felt like there was a bit of a random jump from, yeah, let's help the rebels too. All right, gonna carve his body. <laughs> um, and I think that that can really blindside, blindside, uh, like, like the best example I have was the first time that I ended up freaking out. Um, in a game was my character, my players, uh, we were playing in the 1950s and um, we were, uh, there was this journalist that was basically like a gossiper and, and I had him like a couple pictures of players as they were exiting the station after just being released from being arrested by a bunch of corrupt cops. And their sudden reaction was, we're going to kidnap him. This is out of nowhere. They've never done this something this extreme before. They're going to kidnap him, um, strip him naked, dump him in the desert, beat him up, take pictures of him naked, then leave him out there to die from starvation and dehydration. Drive to an army base, grab explosives, turn the car into a car bomb, drive to actress's house, kill her, punch her dogs to death, drive the car into her barn, kill her on all the costages with a car bomb. And then sabotage the boiler room in the house, blow it up, kill the two corrupt cops, and then drive off into the sunset. What fucking game was this? This was this was uh, this was Call of Cthulhu. This was uh, so so this. And I want to point out, I did not reveal like half the Cthulhu stuff. This was just apparently getting pictures taken of them, set them off on like a murder rampage. So it was less Call of Cthulhu, more unknown armies. Yeah, it turned into an unknown armies game. And I was just like, again, I was along for the ride. There was nothing I could do about this because, like, any attempt to stop them was immediately stopped by, hey, man, we're just playing the game. And so it's just like, uh, what? Uh, and I, again, this is like my first, second Call of Cthulhu game I've ever run. So I don't know. So, you know, for being, I'm an inexperienced GM. So, like, for people like that, like, how do you handle that? Was this a con game or what? No, this was a personal game. Uh, you just stop the game. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be like, hey, guys, please you, don't you reject the premise of my game. Like a lot of this advice is, is is so GM focused, but it's almost like victim blaming. Like you have to be able to deal with bad players just directly outside of the game. You were just you were just fucked there. <laughs> yeah. And if it's a con game, um, that's something you got. to. I don't know. That's you just got to <laughs> power through. Well, if it's a con game, you kind of just assume that it just assume the worst and hope it's going to be really good. I mean, because you don't know your players beforehand. I mean, you're not obligated to fill the four the four hours or whatever of a con game, so just end yeah. it. Like, just rub, beeline for the ending. As rocks fall, everyone dies. I mean, yeah. If you're not so, if you're not tied into like, if you're not there representing a company, like you haven't made a deal to run X number of hours uh, in exchange for like badge payment or etc., then yeah, you, you you don't have to be there. Like, if it's a bad game. Leave. You guys are, are really uh, making me kind of nervous about the con games I'm going to have to run at Gen Con. <laughs> Just letting you know. Good luck, Chris. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it turned into a good story and we still laugh about it. But like at the time, it was pretty much just like, I have no idea what the fuck I'm going to do. I mean, I, I think every GM has had this situation. I know True. I have. Yeah, we in had my... it in Star Trek where we had to just stop for 15 minutes and just 
right. Talk. How is this going to work out? <laughs> like, it, yeah, can this continue or does this have to stop? Yeah. But, you know, closer to what uh, Ian is talking about, I've had a player uh, attempt some like objection, uh, obviously objectionable stuff uh, that I'm not going to get into where we had to stop and say, you are not going to do that. Um, if that is a problem, that's the door. Take a hike. Uh, if you want to keep playing, you know, act like there's your, your act like a human being who expects consequences for their action. That's the other part. I think, um, if it's not so bad that you have to stop the game and talk to the actual player, then warn somebody if they're going to take an action that is like stupid or wrongheaded, obviously, you know, then, then maybe you say, okay, if you do this, this is going to be the consequence. Like this, this is a thing that could happen, right? Like if you break into the army base, somebody might notice that you stole all these explosives. I'm just saying, you know, that's going to be a risk you're going to take. And then if the players decide to do it anyway, then you have consequences. Like they should be in game, you know, per the mechanics of the game, but they should also be in line with the absurdity slash difficulty of whatever action they're taking. Like, even if you're a member of the armed forces, it's not going to be easy to just steal explosives. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand that. It was a uh... right. I'm just I'm just using the story you brought up as an no, example. No, I, I understand. They just they just yeah. rolled below ten the entire time, and it was very. Don't worry. They, they, the 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 consequences was that we would never play it in that time period yeah. ever again. Uh... <laughs> so I think for stuff like that, also, you know. Um, Something like narrative positioning is your friend there where you just deny them the ability to even make the role because like they just can't do that. Like not in like a railroady way, but there is that concept from like PVTA where you can't. Unless it's yeah, there. you don't have a move. Yeah, you can you can bring that philosophy situations. Yeah. If, if it doesn't make sense, it's there's right. no point. It's, gonna, it's not going to happen. Uh, it's, you know, a classic example is like, you know, a persuade role. You can't talk anybody out of anything magically just. Yeah, you know, you're 10% good, yeah. on it. Please don't shoot me. I rolled it to one. Yeah, exactly. You know, going back with, you know, everything having consequences, I think when Patrick, when I just posted this episode uh, weeks ago, but when I first played in Patrick's um, Blades in the Dark, I was introduced to the clock, and that seemed like a really kind of uh, excellent way to keep track of stuff. Definitely things go offhand. Uh, Patrick, can you, like, Give us a little description there, for, like the yeah, clocks so, and how they're used. So, Blaze in the Dark has a, a few ways that Michael here. First is what we talked about before of like um, setting scale and effect to any action. So, if someone like goes, "I take on the army single-handed. I roll the six. I did it." No, you didn't. Uh, no, you, you didn't. You just didn't. Um, you know, they have this thing where like you're setting like consequences of a failure and likely effect of your success. Like even if you roll well, how how likely is how big an impact on the world is that going to be? And rolling a six on fighting an army single-handed is like we have a little effect to kill a guy. There's a thousand of him left, so that's that's like limited to zero effect. The other thing it does um, that might be useful in terms of I hate to say like discipline, but uh, or, or like enforcing consequences, but that's kind of a relevant consequence. Is you can put out these these clocks, which are, they look like um, you know those semicircles you get uh, when you're playing Trivial Pursuit. And you fill them in to reflect that you've like answered a question in this section. They look a little <laughs> like that. And so like consequences for failure or consequences of certain action can be and they're, they're usually GM facing, but the players can also set these up themselves. Um, and so consequences for failure or certain actions might be things like 
The guards take notice of your actions. A case file is opened in the uh, in the uh, the, the the blue wardens or whatever they call. I forget the the local police forces. Uh, so and so makes a move against your your guild, that kind of thing. And you know, because as a player, I guess it's coming from Blades and Dark Earth as a player as a GM, you're seeing. Okay, well that's got two out of eight on it. If I start mucking around, that might tick up. And then something bad happens. And stuff like that can act as a little, a little bit of a limiter. Some systems, I think, have a better job of, like, subtly reminding players of the consequences. Blades and Dark is a pretty good one for that, because it has stuff like this, and it also has heat. So if you guys want to run around murdering people, like, yeah, the game will be like, sure, 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 kill as many people as you want. Here's a ton of heat. And now the cops are after you, because you're shooting a bunch of people. Uh, a, a game that doesn't have a, a heat system... It would occur less to the players, or less explicitly to the players, because there isn't so much this consequence for failure uh, not to act that way. You know, like the, the joke in like Call of Cthulhu is everyone knows not to read the books because there's a consequence for for doing that. There's a consequence for reading the failure. It's it's someone's touched the stove and they know not to do that again. Uh, in Blaze of the Dark, you have a consequence of like a mechanical consequence that they can see of you have these number of crime points now because of the crimes you did. If you max out your crime bar, bad things happen. And they're like, okay, maybe we'll do less crime. Yeah, I think that really works out uh, particularly. Um, I also want to say that if if you're doing a scenario that is already pre-written, because I ran that scenario again with the one where my players went off course, and it happened again and they went off course, uh, the scenario is cursed. If if they don't, if they do a such a thing that ends up where they just can't finish the scenario, that's okay. You don't have to. Uh, if they've had a fun time, and if if Everyone has had a good time. They don't need to finish it in a particular way. Uh, you don't have to have the exact end. Yeah, I think that's uh, an important point. Yeah, um, uh, Ethan uh, uh, burned down a house, which I guess, you know, that's always a thing when you're running Delta Green. Um, and basically the scenario just ended there. And there was uh, there was like one third left, but it made no sense to just... Y'all want have any closing for this uh, discussion? Um, yeah, I think... I think a lot of nerds, because we're quite concretely and systematically minded, um, this, this is the point I'm making earlier about, like, even if they're not necessarily seeing the bar go up, just let them know there is a bar and things will happen, uh, can be quite an effective motivator for certain behavior. I remember once I had an eclipse uh, where everyone sort of sat around quite a bit, you know, just, just thinking things through and, and, like, talking stuff over, not taking many actions. Um, and so uh, for once in a while, I thought, how do I knit this in the bud? And I said, okay. I'm keeping track of time in this scenario, and when a certain time is reached, something bad is going to happen. I'm not going to tell you how long you have, I'm not going to tell you when the time ticks up, but just just know that there is a monitoring, there is like a bar going up. And they went, oh shit, and, and suddenly they became a lot more active. Uh, so I think something like that, even if it's not explicit, just let them know, hey, by the way, I might be keeping track of X, or if you do Y, then something might happen. It can be an effective motivator. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. There's totally gonna be a consequence for what you guys did in that in that in fucking town. Talking to me. Oh, maybe. consequences always the best. <laughs> awesome. Well, maybe Adam, maybe Joe, maybe some people who aren't here. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, we deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the final thing is is that the the whole point of it is a game and it's for everybody to have fun. But don't forget that the GM is also one of the people who's supposed to have fun. If you're having fun and the players are having fun cares what the scenario says you know as long as everybody's having a good time mm-hmm. uh it's a narrative structure in inside of which you're supposed to play a game but you know if you break out of the structure 
who's going to be insulted? The writer? Who cares? <laughs> I I do want to say one more thing. Um, this, it just it, it, it this is actually before it, it during character creation. If you make it known that you're like um like hey, I want to play a I would like to play a I don't know like a hero game or something uh where where everyone's like uh, at least somewhat of a morally good character, right? Um, uh, and then one player goes, oh, I want to play a serial killer. Say no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, no. no. And try to explain why you shouldn't play a serial killer. Uh, a proper session zero goes a long way, even if it's only 10 or 15 minutes, if you yes. don't have time for like a proper, you know, like a full, full on time, just yeah, 10 or 15 just... minutes discussing expectations. Right. Or if they decide I'd want to play a serial killer after they've already made a character, please explain to them again. No, no, uh, I don't feel comfortable with that because I had to do that and very annoying. Yes. Try to just make sure your players understand this is what you uh, and uh, you know they won't go off the rails like just r- immediately right away even before the game has started. Yep. So if you gained anything today from listening to our Gen Con advice and this particular topic is don't be creepy, bathe, hydrate, hydrate, eat real food, <laughs> and just overall be cool. Suntan lotion. <laughs> Suntan lotion. Don't dress in your cosplay to wait in the line. Thank you. Thank you. I was going to say that. And talk to your players and let your expectations and, uh, you know, get the investment on the front end to where, you know, either the story may deviate from what you initially envisioned, as Chris was discussing <laughs> with me earlier. But, you know, at the same time, uh, you know, you're not married to it and you can still have fun, even without phone word to word with what you have written down and with that hmm you guys anything else before we cut it off cosplay is not consent <laughs> cosplay is very much not consent and uh if if i offer you a drink drink it always drink <laughs> it to you. also go see yana han she's really cool and with that uh we'll see you next time goodbye bye internet bye, bye. bye.